Hello and welcome to the Talking Learning and Teaching podcast. On today's show, we're talking AI and special education with Professor James Basham from the University of Kansas. James is a professor in the Department of Special Education at the University of Kansas. He is also the senior advisor at CAST, the founders of the Universal Design for Learning framework. James is a co-founder of the UDL Implementation and Research Network, or the UDL-IRN for short, and his research is focused on the implementation of UDL, STEM education, learner-centered design, innovation and technology in human learning. James has received and managed over $27 million in successful research and development funding. He is well published, given hundreds of talks and serves on various boards for journals, companies and organisations and is the principal investigator on various projects, including the Centre for Innovation, Design and Digital Learning. It's an absolute pleasure to have James on the show. Enjoy. A warm welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Well, thanks for having me, Kevin. I'm uh, glad you sent the invite and uh, looking forward to talking to you. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it as, as well. And the main reason we've got you on the show is to explore the role of, of AI, artificial intelligence, in supporting accessible, inclusive and equitable education, particularly. So, I mean, my first question really would be, how can AI support individuals with physical challenges, speech, language and visual impairments, for example? And can it support learners for whom English is a second language, for example? Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that AI has actually been doing that for a long time. I mean, there are various types of AI, right? So um, narrow AI, which are like very single task sort of AIs, people have been using probably for 10 or 12 years, if not longer, depending on how, how you define what an AI actually is and how narrow you want to get. So, you know, we've been in the education system and for individuals with different impairments and disabilities, um, it's been a common sort of integration in everyday life in the way that we create documents, uh, Grammarly, for instance, and little things like that that have been used for a long time. And then as far as English as a second language, translation uh, of of English or translation of to any language has been used. Uh, Google's had stuff like that for a long, long time. So I guess, I mean, my next question, you've pretty much answered it, really. But but the next question was going to be, do learners with specific needs, such as a disability, already use AI to support their learning? And I guess the answer to that is is yes. So we we won't necessarily need to cover that. But what, what I would like to ask is, is some questions around the recent paper that you published on AI and special education. Mm -hmm. And in that paper, you stated that AI software can enable students with disabilities to create coherent and cohesive written text. And this might also benefit many non-disabled learners with writing too. I mean, is using AI cheating? I mean, you use the term <laughs> cognitive prosthesis in that paper, which I, I really liked. And yeah. So is, is there a fine balance between AI as cognitive prosthesis and AI as cheating? And, and how do we negotiate that balance, do you think? Well, I think obviously it's been in, you know, si since the inception of chat GTP, GTP3, uh, which, you know, is their, not even their latest rendition now, but, you know, for those of us who have been looking at the stuff and I've been 
and my colleagues and I have been kind of really focused on the use of personalized learning around pers- uh, AI around personalized learning for the last 10 or so years. And we've seen it kind of come into its fruition. I mean, this latest generation of generative AI through these large language models like ChatGDP, obviously the, the call out on it is, oh, it's going to help with cheating. Uh, well, you know, I would actually argue that if um, – if it helps, if it's the only way you're measuring someone is by the way they write, then you're probably not measuring the right thing, you know. So, so there's there's that part of it. So I think we have to really be cognizant uh, of the way that we think about the design of these learning environments. I know you've done a lot of work on universal design for learning, and thinking about that integration into into these environments. And I think. That's where we really have to focus is how do we redesign environments for the modern age and to overcome this, quote unquote, cheating, which is really not a cheating issue. It's just that that it's really the wrong way to measure learning from the very beginning. So I would kind of counter counter the issue on saying, yeah, there's probably a balance there. But but I don't know if I would necessarily call it cheating. I think we've had tools that have helped support writing for a long time. And this is just another one of those tools in these generative AIs or these these large language model model um, AIs. Yeah, I mean, certainly in the UK higher education context, there's been a lot of focus on, you know, the use of chat GPT <laughs> for cheating. And there's been a lot of right. kind of fear and, and, and sort of concern about that. Um, but I'm glad you said that, you know, perhaps if the only way to measure learning and for learners to demonstrate learning is through writing then perhaps it's not necessarily the best or the right way um and i i i totally agree with that i mean i think higher education in particular has been obsessed with learners demonstrating their understanding in writing for many 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 years and actually i think the authenticity of that in many circumstances should be questioned shouldn't it so i I really enjoyed the the answer to, to that question i guess i mean you you mentioned it there that it's not necessarily a, a a method of cheating. We've always had tools that, you know, can support us in terms of uh, providing written outputs when we're being assessed. I mean, what more can we do, do you think? Or, you know, what more do we need to understand about how AI can be leveraged during the learning process as a supportive tool, do you think? Yeah, so there, I mean, there's multiple ways and there's a lot of actually research going on. I actually read an article yesterday where they were researching uh, from one of the conference proceedings, where they actually researched in a randomized control study the idea that, you know, someone goes to a lecture and you go to an hour-long lecture and then being able to take the lecture and have the AI summarize the main topics and points of the lecture. Um, And that's just one area. And they found that, obviously, by doing that, the students were able to better grasp the concepts in the lecture. Um, and so there's going to be lots of ways, I think, as we, as these new AIs emerge, I mean, I think the big hangup right now is chat GDP, you know, and the work going on with these generative AIs, uh, these, these, these new publicly available generative AIs. But the reality is, is we're just at the, at the very beginning, uh, edge of how AI is going to transform society. And so I think as, as people that, do research in this area and help develop future teachers. I think what we need to do is do the do some due diligence on doing research as well as, pra- as supporting practice around what are the, some of the ethical uh, and eth- ethical 
uh, efficacy sort of ways to to use the, these AIs. Um, and then finding, uh, kind of going back to your last question, there has got to be some balance in it. I think that's where we're going to need to uh, to do this. But throughout, it's going to be leveraged throughout the learning process in multiple ways. I just taught a class last spring where I had the AI kind of sit as a student in the class, for instance. It was a doctoral seminar, and it was it was on philosophy of science, essentially. And so as we were engaging in discussion, uh, we would have the student, the students, we would all be talking about something and, and um, kind of debating something potentially or, you know, getting into some of the paradigms and all, all the sort of great things that we talk about in those classes. And and upon the students kind of coming to coming to to some resolution, we say, okay, so let's ask the other student in the class. Let's ask the AI, and then we'd and then we'd listen to what the AI had to say, and then we would kind of, well, where is it? Where is it right? Where is it wrong? Where would you debate it? And how would you go about debating it? And then you could actually bring it in through a chat sort of mechanism to actually go through that process. And it's interesting to see kind of the information that it understands versus what it doesn't understand. Because what's obvious now to most of society or people that are, are aware of these uh, large language models is that they don't actually know right from wrong. They don't actually understand actually what they're doing. Um, and so it's going to be a struggle um, overcoming some of the misinformation, overcoming the potential harms that these AIs can do as well. So I think it, I think the idea that it can be leveraged in the process in, in the in the learning process, but it's going to be leveraged in in multiple ways. Some of which we can't even fathom here today. Um, uh, but it's going to be leveraged in in various ways. But I think we have to do a lot of work in trying to understand what those those ways are. Obviously, the generative AI can can support writing, can do any number of things. There's a one of the AIs that we've been playing around with actually uh, takes over slides and does presentations for you. So you just type in, like, here's what we want to say, and the AI takes over. You could choose, you know, do you want it to be a female? What voice do you want it to have? Uh, you know, do you want it to have an American English? You know, I mean, you go through all the way through the types of languages and then have it present. It's just the AI is sitting there talking like they're a real person. So it's I mean, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, and it's fascinating, isn't it? Because I think, I mean, there are there are going to be obvious efficiencies, aren't there? I think, you know, lots of companies around the world are already using AI to, to kind of gain efficiencies in various processes. I mean, um, you know, what what did I hear recently where if you phoned up a particular company, it was like an AI generated response that you got <laughs> sort of thing. So you didn't have to have somebody sat there answering the phone like you might have done many years ago. And I think... Right. You know, more and more in UK higher education, it, we put a big focus on kind of the vocational elements of it and sort of you know, making sure that the learning experience reflects the world beyond university so that learners become more employable and get on better in the employment realm. But I, I guess in all of our lives, including employment in the future, we're going to be drawing upon uh, AI tools to, to help us in our in our jobs. So you would expect that it would have to be a, a sort of inherent part of learning as well if we wanted to make the learning experiences as authentic and, and reflective of, of the world beyond university. But I think you're absolutely right. We're still kind of working out, aren't we, how how it can best be used. I mean, in, in the in the previous um, answer that you provided, you talked about some of the ethical issues. I mean, 
we've already mentioned that the cheating issue. I mean, what other ethic, ethical issues might exist in terms of using AI? I mean, there's obviously various implications for uh, how we're measuring learning. I mean, we we talked about the writing piece of it at the very beginning, but there's various pieces about how we're measuring learning. There's pieces about how how teachers will be using the AI to to score to score student work. Uh, there's obviously issues around the bi- inherent biases within these AIs and within these these tools that are kind of built in. Um, and how they foresee the world, how they see the world is obviously going to be based on whatever whatever data they're trained upon. So um, then we kind of get into the, the concerns we have with um, um, not actually understanding what the AIs are doing. I mean, right now they're generally black boxes. There's no transparency to them. So so while these AIs are able to generate, you know, lots of text or video or audio, uh, we don't know and really no one knows how the how it's I mean, we know how it's taking place, but we don't know how why it's making the decisions it's making in generating that that um, that output. And so I think that's a that's a huge concern. So as we kind of get into uh, you can see AIs making decisions around. And they already do. I mean, these AIs embedded in hiring processes now, in in and in making decisions around what students, what's appropriate for students, what's not appropriate for students. These are things that I think, as an education system, we're going to have to kind of come to terms with. So, if, like for instance, if an AI says, identifies, um, you know, Johnny is a student that needs extra support. Well, why does that student need extra support? How is it making that decision? Uh, these are things that we need to kind of come to terms with. And that's, and again, I think we're just at the very cutting edge of starting to think about these things. And many of the issues that, um, that, that uh, are ethical in, in nature haven't even been thought of yet. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. It, it, there are, so it's like peeling the layers of an onion, isn't it? And I think you're right. We're sort of at that point where we're just at the outer layer and we need to keep peeling a little bit, don't we, to kind of unpick what those issues are going to be and, and also how it can be used to really enhance the learning experience for, for all learners. You know, and, and, and I put the emphasis on all learners, you know, not necessarily just learners that have special needs. I mean, t- turn it, turning our attention to teaching a little bit more. I mean, I'm an educational developer. And so my primary role is to support teachers to become more effective. I mean, you've already mentioned some of the ways in which you've used AI from a teaching perspective, but I mean, how do you think AI can be used to supplement or even enhance teaching methods? You know, I think we're, again, you know, we're just at the beginning stages of this, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be immense. I mean, the, what we're seeing right now already in the way that we support the way the way we support students in the classroom and all students in the classroom, I think one of the things that we're going to start seeing is a, a greater way to personalize learning for all students. And that's not something that it it's been done. I know that the UK had a big uh, uh, a big focus on that years ago. I think various pockets throughout the world have had a focus on it. My 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 um, grad students and I have done a number research studies on it. Um, and they've gone off and they're doing their own great things now. So personalized learning is something that we're really kind of focused on. And I think that's going to come into being. I mean, one of the issues that we've had within the personalized learning research area 
is and what we have found is that it's just it's not overly feasible for a teacher to personalize to x number of students uh without great support and some of the some of the early research projects have have used customized sort of systems lower end narrow AI sort of systems to support decision making and to support the students in a personalized pathway. But I think as we kind of get further into this uh, and understanding the potential of these AIs, I think we're going to be able to start making some of these decisions and helping students kind of have a personalized learning experience, which I think in turn will help all students, including students with disabilities. That's kind of what some of our early research found. Actually, some of our early research in personalized learning uh, that had, again, light interactions with very narrow AI, found that some of these students were gaining uh, more than a year's growth in, in a year's period. So um, so I think there's a, a great potential for transforming the way we think about teaching and learning for all students. Um, I think, but the critical piece here, and I think, Kevin, that's what you're kind of hitting on. I like the word all learners, right? Because the all learners piece is the is a critical part because oftentimes for folks that focus on individuals with uh, learning differences and disabilities those students are oftentimes left out of the conversation they're not at the table uh, of the conversation and i think that's something that as a field we have to really kind of keep that all learners in focus and that has to be a primary a primary uh, um, uh, discussion going forward be it in 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 the development of teachers, be it in the way we think about the use of AI, be it in policy, we just can't forget that there's a whole lot of variability across learners, and that variability has to be accounted for in the way we design learning environments, learning experiences, whether we're using AI, AI or not using AI. And one of the concerns I have going forward is you know, this AI could kind of come in and really drastically disrupt the education system in multiple ways. I mean, one, it could be done because we don't have a grasp on the AI itself and we just let the AI make the decision. But there could also be one where we just, you know, uh, kind of understand what the AI can has potential to do, but we only allow it to advantage some learners, not all learners. And I think that's a huge concern. So we have to really kind of focus on ensuring that all learners are in the discussion and that we are designing environments and experiences for them. Um, and we're not disenfranchising uh, the same youth or, or even other youth in that process of making these decisions. No, I mean, the answer to that question was was fascinating, really, because I think, you know, that idea of personalizing the learning experience and the potential that AI can have in relation to that is really, really exciting, isn't it? But I think, as you mentioned, there are some potential challenges and, and, and disruptions that might come of that. I mean, the next question was about the potential benefits of AI tools in education. But I was also going to ask you to to maybe also talk a little bit about some of those drawbacks as well. Uh, which I think you've already kind of articulated. I mean, aside from the ethical issues and the things that we've mentioned there, I think there's potentially a risk, as there always is, um, in terms of not considering all learners when we design those those learning experiences and those and those learning environments. And I think that's a really really important point. James, we've reached our last question, and it's quite a it's quite a weighty one. So um, I'll I'll let you 
you take a minute if you if you need to once I've asked this. Um, AI emulates logical human cognition. So is there a risk that as a species, our cognitive abilities as humans could be under threat from AI? Or can the use of AI tools be used to support the development of, say, higher order cognition in learners? I mean, what what is your view on that? Because sometimes we hear these scary stories, don't we, that we're going to we're going to be extinct, extinct as a species in however many years because of AI and, and all that type of thing. I mean, what are your views on on those sorts of issues? Well, I mean, and this kind of goes back up to your question a couple questions ago, I guess, around the way we develop teachers, but also the way we develop humans, right? Um, so the the short answer to this is yes. <laughs> right? The short answer to this is yes. I think, you know, AI has the potential to truly transform over, over time society. Uh, I think what we need to think about as as a as a species <laughs> as a as a group is you know how do we define intelligence for instance uh big conversations start to emerge like that um intelligence as a whole is generally defined by being able to complete a task successfully right you know so you're intelligent if you can do x y or z I mean, in a very ge- generic sort of general sense, that's how intelligence has been defined. If you've asked to do this and it conforms with what we consider is good intelligence and you do the task, then you have intelligence. If you uh, can't do that task, then you lack intelligence. And it's kind of a narrow sort of view of what intelligence is. But generally, that's if you break down what an intelligence test is or whatever. And we know the flaws and we can get into the biases and inherent in that ta- in the in that testing but that's generally intelligence so we've kind of come around to to have these large language models these generative things that we call ai and we're calling them artificial intelligence and they're based on that same concept they're based on if i give this thing a task will it do the task and the answer is yes it will do the task the sad thing is, or or the not so sad thing, depending on how you look at it, is it'll do the task a lot faster and maybe even more thoroughly than what a human can do it in, right? I mean, anyone that's used one of the generative AIs right now, or one of the, let's just go to a large language model AI, you give it a task to write a thousand, a thousand word essay on whatever, and it does it. Now, we can get into the issue of misinformation. We can get into all these sort of discussions around what it is actually doing. Is it actually providing appropriate citation? Is it lying to us? I mean, we can get into all that, but has it, has it completed the task and is it intelligent? I think that's a good question. And I think this kind of gets into uh, very philosophical discussions around consciousness, around intelligence around what is human what is not human i mean you know so one of the things we have to kind of get into and discuss here is the idea that if we're simply defining intelligence as being able to complete a task that is given then we as humans will lose and lose pretty quickly Um, but if we redefine the concept of intelligence and say intelligence is more than just being able to to uh, complete a task and we get into 
the idea of consciousness and we get, you know, we go back to some of these deeper philosophical sort of discussions uh, and we kind of come to terms with those things a little bit and bring those back into, into the fray. Uh, then, then, then I think we're, we're still a viable sort of group of, of, of a, a viable group or a viable species. Right. Um, and, but I think th- this is what's hard for society right now. I think society that we we're currently in loves little short answers that can neatly be packaged into a yes, no, and can be written up in a column and get lots of likes or dislikes or lots of uh, retweets or whatever you want to call it. And I don't think there's an answer to that right now. I, I, I don't think there's something that is that clean cut. Although, you know, lots of, lots of um, media pundits would like to have it that way and they're going to portray it as that. But the answer is uh, yes, that uh, AI can support, you know, uh, better development and higher order thinking for all learners, but it can also be kind of the demise of our species uh, if we allow it to be such. But it's really up to us as humans to, to determine that. I mean, any sort of new technology by and large, and we can go through, we can go through, uh, uh, some of the philosophical and historical understandings of what technology is, but really any technology or any innovation brings forth the need to uh, redefine uh, behavior and human the human experience uh, and brings forth new problems. But then we also have that technologies de- technology by and large, while it brings forth new ideas, new problems, new behaviors, Technology is always designed to also help us overcome the the problems that we're having in society. So this is going to be a continual sort of process that we need to come to terms with. Um, and it kind of and to go back up to I think a couple questions ago, you said, well, what does this mean for developing teachers? the The issue is, at least in the states, the way that teachers have been developed and have been made to think about technology is that technology is a tool that we simply just go use, right? That, oh, I learned how to do a PowerPoint today, and or I learned how to do a podcast today, or I learned how to do the following. And the reality is those of us who have been studying technology for a long time have been saying, that's, what not, that's not what technology is about. Technology is not about gaining a specific skill to go do a podcast. I mean, you can go onto YouTube and learn how to do a podcast, uh, you can go read about it on a website or whatever. The, the the critical component to all this is how does how do you effectively integrate these things in a meaningful way into a designed learning environment? What framework are you basing it on? What sort of learner variability are you designing around? How are you uh, bringing this in and having some efficacy to your practice? And what sort of ethics are driving the way that you think about preparing all learners? And I think these are bigger, larger questions that we need to integrate into our teacher education uh, programs and things that, at least in the States and in many places in the world that I've engaged in, have been overlooked. And because they're bigger philosophical sort of questions, they don't really fit into a nice little box uh, to say, hey, go do these things and you're going to produce these types of kids. And it's really getting our teachers, getting our professionals in the field to think more like designers, 
to, to have an understanding of what it means to design learning environments and to bring an understanding of efficacy and ethics to the, into the learning environment itself. And AI has hopefully, I'm hoping, I'm hoping what this AI has done, this, this new generation of things we're calling AI, again, I would argue that they're probably not AI. We shouldn't call them artificial intelligences, but we're going to for this podcast. I'm hoping what it's done is it's, it's an, I'm hoping it's an eye-opening sort of experience to society at whole, as a whole, but specifically when it, within education, it's making us reflect on what are we actually doing? Who are we actually designing environments for? And how do we support the design of environments for all students from the very goal and make sense for the future of society? And I'm really just kind of hoping it's like it. And that's kind of what our article, uh, you know, Matt, Trey, Lisa, and I uh, kind of put together um, um, and Jose in thinking about, okay, it's a wake-up call for the field of special education to start thinking about AI, but really the underlying sort of theme, if you really look at what our article has done, it's, it's really a wake-up call for, for the field as a whole to say, hey, the, AI is doing this to us, but this, many, of the, these, many of these things have been around for a long time, and we're hoping that people start having some of the deeper questions around how we design environments and, and the way we, we support learning for all kids, especially those with disabilities. There was so much in that that kind of resonated with me and got me thinking and reflecting, really. I mean, the, the whole bit about, you know, if intelligence is measured by completion of a task and it, it made me sort of reflect on how often we get quite obsessed with the products of learning in higher education, i.e. Mm -hmm. task completion, rather than the process. And I was having a conversation with some colleagues recently where we're sort of saying, you know, wouldn't it be great if the assessment process, you know, say say you set an assessment where you give the learners a problem to solve, but you're mm -hmm. not really all that bothered about whether they solve the problem correctly. What you're actually assessing is their approach to it, how they plan, how they mm -hmm. use the resources, you know, how they draw upon each other, you know, the real kind of process related aspects rather than, mm -hmm. you know, can you tick the box or solve the problem or, or complete the task, et cetera. Um, and it kind of speaks a little bit to that, doesn't it? It's it's almost mm -hmm. a bit mind blowing to sort of say, well, you know, we need to know if they've got the right answer or not. We can't just assess the way that they approach it. But actually, in light of things like AI, perhaps it is more important that we that we kind of focus more on the process. And it mm -hmm. and it also got me kind of reflecting on on the kind of skills that you need from an academic perspective. I mean, even in my time as an undergraduate it was still very much a kind of content transmission model and and the kind of knowledge and the content that you were fed came from a, a fairly narrow and limited source really mm -hmm. but obviously today the amount of content and information and knowledge you can draw upon is absolutely you know almost infinite really so yeah it, it's almost about how the learners are able to kind of sift through all that mm -hmm. make sense of it you know keep the bits that they think they need, you know, and that are useful and, and discard the bits that are not be selective. It's almost mm -hmm. like a different skill set, isn't it? And I think we're still wrestling with that a little bit. I mean, I always have conversations with colleagues about the purpose of higher education and, and whether right. we've, you know, whether the, the, the current purpose of it reflects what we really need, you know, mm -hmm. in, in terms of the way that society is changing and the kind of skills that people are going to need in the future. J James, I mean, that, that, that was absolutely fascinating. And 
I just want to thank you for being on the show. I mean, some of the, the answers you provided there are just so eye opening. But also, I think, you know, I'm sure the listeners will think this as well, but just really, really got me reflecting on on different things and, and some of those bigger, deeper philosophical questions, really, because I think, you know, you, you have to do that, don't you? It's a bit like when you talked about, you know, it's not just about learning how to create a podcast or a PowerPoint. You've got to think about how those things can be integrated in a much more of a holistic and sort of you know mm-hmm. organic fashion and and it, it it's sort of the same the same level of thinking isn't it so th- thanks for that that was that was fantastic well uh you caught me a little early in the morning i'm still finishing my second cup of coffee but uh I, thanks for having me on and um and uh i really appreciate the podcast and everything you're doing to kind of get the word out about some of these very important topics in the field Oh, well, thanks ever so much, James. It, you know, I, I really, really appreciate you being on, on here. So thanks again.